Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition, the best edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley, and I got to give you a heads up. Today could be a little longer than normal because we have a lot to get into. I knew it was going to be a lot of info. We had the pending home sales report and the GDP report, but I completely forgot about the Adam Data Solutions quarterly report on home profit margins that I think has a lot of good info into it. So let's start, though. Let's start with the pending home sales report that came out from the National Association of Realtors. And just like last week's existing home sales report, the numbers were disappointing. And also, I guess you could include the uh, Census Bureau's new home sales report that was also disappointing. And so we've seen a lot of reports that have not met the expectations of economists. And of course, people are reading between the lines saying, here we go. This is it. The housing boom is officially over. So let's look at the data first. So month over month, the pending home index fell 1.9% to a index level of 1128 Now, the expectations had actually been for a slightly positive report at 0.3%. So not, a, not as big of a miss that we saw in some of these other reports, but a miss Nonetheless, now year over year, pending home sales fell 1.9% as well, like I said, when compared to June 2020. But here's something that's also important. An index above 100 is equal to the level of contract activity in 2001. And so the fact that we are still at an elevated level, sure, that could mean that maybe we're getting to the top, but what happens so often is that all of a sudden you see some negative data and then all of a sudden everyone runs with it here it comes here comes the housing collapse now on a regional basis because we are in the south that's all that i really care about uh the south fell three percent to an index of 132.4 that is down 4.7 percent from where we were a year ago now the northeast had the best month with an increase slight increase of 0.5 percent and an 8.7 percent rise from a year ago the midwest was also in positive territory with 0.6 percent on a month-to-month basis but was down 2.4 percent from june 2020 and the west had the worst month they were worse than us falling 3.8 percent and were down 2.6 percent from a year ago. Now, I know you're going to think, Tyler, wait, didn't you say that the Northeast was at 0.5 and the Midwest was at 0.6? So why was that not better? Well, because I looked at both year over year and month over month and the Northeast was was doing better when you do that calculation. Okay, get off my back. So Lawrence Yun, the National Association of Realtors chief economist said in a statement, nothing is stopping the desire for home ownership, but prices might be disrupting the financial reality of it, saying, quote, pending sales have seesawed since January, indicating a turning point for the market. Buyers are still interested and want to own a home, but record home prices are causing some to retreat. So what are my thoughts on this? Well, this is the second bad June report that we've seen from the National Association of Realtors. And by bad, I, of course, mean they missed expectations. The new home sales report, that came out from the Census Bureau led CNBC last week to declare the housing boom over. Now, my personal opinion, I think it's a little too early to make a declaration like that, but I also believe that Yun has a point about rising home prices. The desire for home ownership has not wavered at all, but financial realities are, of course, stronger. 
And I'm not sure the boom is completely over, but I do think we might be getting close to the top. I mean, once again, the data is readily available on this, that every time home prices move up, even with rates falling, which by the way, I saw the weekly data from Freddie Mac. They released their averages for the week yesterday as well. And they showed kind of a mixed bag. 30 year was up a little bit, 15 uh, 15 year fell a little bit. And so, yeah, I mean, rates are still good, but at some point prices just reach a level that doesn't matter where rates are, (laughs) that people are gonna be priced out of the market. So I think that, yeah, maybe this is evidence that we're getting to the top and we may start going down the other side of the hill, but as long as it's not a slide, (laughs) as long as it's not a complete drop off, Everything's a-okay. We are good to go. Now, speaking of missing expectations, the bigger report that, of course, everyone was waiting for, and this was a much bigger miss, that was the second quarter of 2021. We got our first estimate from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, and it was good. I mean, the number was, was high, but it was a big miss. So projections had been for 8.5% growth, or I should say a growth rate of 8.5% when annualized. That's what they were hoping for. And instead, 6.5. So, I mean, that's great. I mean, because last month, or excuse me, last quarter, 6.3% growth. Now we're at 6.5% growth. That is a tremendous growth rate. That is amazing. But when you're expecting 8.5, and at one point, I mean, if you remember earlier this year, I mean, there was talk that we could see double-digit second quarter data, that we could see 10%, and the fact that now the reality's hit us at 6.5, yeah, it was a little underwhelming. So what did the report actually say? Well, spending was up, but unfortunately, income and savings were down. So spending jumped 4.4% from quarter to quarter and was also up a big 20.6% from the same quarter a year ago. Incomes, though, unfortunately fell 6% from the last quarter, but were up 1% from the same quarter in 2020. And personal savings plummeted a 52% drop from the first quarter of this year and a 59% drop from the same quarter last year. Now, the the analysis on this that was even listed in the report is that the reason why incomes and savings have fallen, well, obviously savings have fallen because people are spending more, but incomes have fallen not because there's been any real change to our economy with regards to the private sector, it's transfer payments. The government isn't giving out stimulus. We're seeing unemployment insurance change, and so there's just less government money out there that we had seen in 2020 and in the first quarter of 2021. So because of that, incomes did see a drop. So it's not that, oh no, we're having a problem with wages or anything like that. It's simply transfer payments with regards to the U.S. government. So yeah, I mean, this is a good report. 6.5%, I mean, is phenomenal. I mean, just phenomenal. But in the context of, like I said, three or four months ago, People were hoping for 10% and were being as optimistic as 10%. And then the expectations just yesterday were 8.5%. It, it, it kind of fell flat. It did. And so the goal, I guess, at this point 
is that, okay, so we're not growing as fast as we thought we were, but maybe it's longer lasting. And so now I guess the hope is, is that Q3 is also going to see that rate continue because if we see a big drop off, now we have another discussion on our hands. Now, I did see one optimistic economist said, well, hey, I guess this proves that the economy's not overheating, <laughs> which I said, okay, but we're still seeing when the economy overheats, usually the biggest concern about that is rampant inflation, but we're seeing that. Now, we know that the theory out there is, well, these are just temporary supply chain disruptions and it will eventually go away as pal and many on the Fed believe it will. And other economists also think that. But what sucks is that, okay, so the economy is not overheating, but we're still kind of facing the bad parts of an overheating. That's the only downside to an overheating economy is inflation. (laughs) So it's like we're not overheating, but we're still unfortunately facing the negative of an overheating economy. So Q3 is going to be big. I mean, it's if we see a massive drop off and we're still seeing high prices. Now we got it. Like I said, we got another discussion to handle. All right. Speaking of the second quarter. So there was a great report from Adam Data Solutions looking at profit margins for home sales in the second quarter of 2021. And like I said, there's a lot of great data here. So I want to kind of get to as much of it as we can. So first off, when I saw this, they pointed out that profits were up, but profit margins were down. And I was thinking, I'm not going to lie. And people can say, Tyler, you're an idiot. You should obviously know that those are different, but usually I would put those two, like I would use them almost interchangeably, (laughs) stupidly, I guess. But so they point out that profit margins are usually calculated in a percentage or a ratio and profits are looked at purely through a dollar perspective. That's why you have a difference here. So the profit margin on a median priced house or condominium fell from 48.4% in the first quarter to 44.9% in Q2. Profit margins were 13 points higher than the 32% level recorded a year earlier. So they're way up from a year ago, which makes sense because of where, where housing prices are but they're down from last quarter. But profits are up, like I said. So profits increased 5% from Q1 to 94,500 and skyrocketed 56% from the same time a year ago. So why is that? Well, because home prices are up significantly in 97% of metropolitan areas as the median home price hit 305,000 on average. That is up from 10.8% or that's, that's up 10.8% from the first quarter of 2021 and up 22% uh, from the second quarter of last year. Now, I have to mention this only because I have a connection. So I was looking at the data and only 3% of places saw a decline. And the metropolitan area that did the worst last year, or I should say year or yeah, year over year, or excuse me, quarter over quarter, confusing myself here, uh, was Lynchburg, Virginia, where I went to college and some of my family still lives up in that area. They were down 6%. I have no idea why. I probably should reach out to some of my family up there and and uh, say, What's, what, what, ha- what happened? Like, why aren't you guys following this trend that everyone seems to be a part of? I mean, 3%. And they were doing the worst of all the metropolitan areas. So I'm now very curious as to what's happening in 
Lynchburg, Virginia that's caused that. So like I said, why are profit margins down? Well, it's because the price gains were smaller than increases that recent sellers had been paying when they originally bought their homes. So the reality is, is that even though you're making more money, you're spending more money to buy that house initially. That's the sole reason why this is happening. So everything's still good. Everything's still moving in the right direction. But because that price point at the initial point of that investment has now changed, yeah, dollar-wise, you're making more money, but the profit margin has shrunk. Now, Todd Tedda, who is the chief product officer at Adam, said the drop in profit margins was odd for springtime because usually that's when things kind of boom. And he said, this could be a sign things are starting to cool, saying in a statement, quote, profit margins dropped in the second quarter, which is very unusual for any springtime period, because that's when the housing market is usually the hottest or at least close to it. While it may just be a momentary thing in today's volatile market, it's definitely something to keep an eye on in case it's a sign that the market is finally cooling or giving into some of the economic forces connected to the virus pandemic. So we're just seeing a lot of data that could lead people to think, okay, maybe we're reaching once again, the top of the summit. We've reached the top and it doesn't mean that necessarily we're going to go downhill, but we could see some stagnation with regards to pricing. Now, not surprisingly in the second quarter, cash was king. All cash purchases accounted for 34% of home sales which is the highest level since the first quarter of 2015. I don't know. I mean, I get it. I'm biased because I'm in the mortgage business, but it's so weird to me that anyone would go cash. I mean, I get maybe to close the deal because the second quarter was just so crazy with housing that that could have been something that puts you over the top, but it's so cheap to borrow money now. (laughs) Like why not take that pile of cash, put it to work for you somewhere else. And to me, that just makes sense. But I get it. I get what people want cash. You want to win that house, sometimes having an all-cash offer helps. But if that's not the case, then you're an idiot. (laughs) Because borrowing money, I mean, do we really ever see rates going lower than this? I don't know. How long have we been saying that now? For a while, then they find a way to go lower. So I guess guess we'll see, but I, I, I don't know. If it's to win a bid, I get it. Otherwise, I have no idea why you would go all cash. Uh, Now, institutional investors have gotten a lot of attention. We've talked about it here on this program. The Wall Street Journal's reported about it. Some of these big hedge funds or investment banks or whatever uh, are investing in real estate or residential real estate. And some people have argued that this is disrupting the markets and causing uh, a possible housing bubble. But here's the thing. The amount of institutional investment, I mean, the numbers look big because we're talking about billions, but people forget how big the residential real estate market is. So even when you're talking billions, it's not as big as you think it is. I remember one time someone was joking that this investment bank was going to invest like $100 million or something into housing. And someone pointed out that that was like 100 apartments in New York. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not as big as you think it's going to be. And so this report highlighted or pointed out that institutional investors accounted for just 4.6 of all single family houses in condo purchase and condo purchases, which was the highest level since the fourth quarter of 2015. So yeah, there's no doubt that we're seeing more involvement, but that number is still 
small number. This is an increase from the 3.2% that we saw in Q1 and a 2% increase from a year ago. So yeah, I mean, there's more involvement, but we're still talking about less than 5%. It's it's not having anywhere near the impact. I, I think some think that it is. All right, that was a lot of data. We got through a lot of it. We did it. Congratulations. Now we get to enjoy our weekend with all of this data uh, coming out today. What's coming out today? Hold on. Let me check here. Oh, we got personal income and outlays. So we're going to get a good idea of what's happening. Talking about inflation with the uh, overheating economy or not overheating economy. We're going to talk about what's happening with uh, prices. So we'll talk about that on Monday. But you guys enjoy your weekend. Stay cool. It is hot in southeastern North Carolina. I don't know where you are, but it is hot here. So stay cool. We'll talk to you on Monday morning. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.